Ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience, I'm speaking to you from Washington, D.C., over a nationwide hookup this October 13, 1932. I'm stationed on the grounds of the as-yet-uncompleted new United States Supreme Court building. Immediately east of this building, several thousand persons are assembled on the lawn, most of them members of the American Bar Association, which is holding its annual convention here in Washington. Doubtless, every state of the Union is represented in this vast audience. This is to be a memorable occasion in the history of the American Bar Association, for under its auspices, the cornerstone of this majestic building designed by Cass Gilbert is about to be laid. The ceremonies, which will begin at noon, will be impressive but brief. The opening address will be delivered by the Honorable Guy A. Thompson of St. Louis, Missouri, President of the American Bar Association. The Honorable John W. Davis of New York will then deliver an address on behalf of the Bar of the United States Supreme Court. And the Honorable Charles Evans Hughes, Chief Justice of the United States, will respond on behalf of the Supreme Court. The cornerstone will then be laid and the meeting will adjourn. It is now almost noon here in Washington, and during the past hour we have been enjoying patriotic and inspiring music by the United States Marine Band. The weather is not as nice as was hoped for. It's very chilly, the sky is overcast, and rain is threatening. Members of the Cabinet are here, also members of the Diplomatic Corps, headed by Ambassador Paul Claudel of France as Dean. I notice seated in the front row of the assembled guests, the Most Honorable, the Marcus of Reading of London. Lord Reading has been Viceroy of India, Lord Chief Justice of England, and Special Ambassador to the United States during our participation in the World War. Seated next to him is Monsieur Paul Reynaud of Paris, France. Monsieur Reynaud is one of the greatest lawyers of our sister republic. He has been Minister of Justice, Minister of Finance, and Minister of the Colonies. And it is predicted by many that one day he will be Premier of France. Lord Reading and Monsieur Reynaud are here as guests of the American Bar Association and will deliver addresses during its convention. Mrs. Taft, widow of the late Chief Justice William Howard Taft, is also here as an honored guest. Mrs. Herbert Hoover, wife of the President of the United States, and Mrs. Charles Evans Hughes, wife of the Chief Justice, have just arrived. With them are Mrs. William A. Borders of St. Louis, Missouri, and Mrs. Cabany Smith of Houston, Texas, both daughters of Mr. Guy A. Thompson. They are now being seated immediately in front of the speaker's platform. On the speaker's platform, from east to west, are the Honorable John W. Davis, the Honorable Herbert Hoover, President of the United States, the Honorable Guy A. Thompson, the Honorable Charles Evans Hughes, Chief Justice of the United States, and all of the Associate Justices, save Mr. Justice Brandeis, all in their judicial robes. West of the members of the Supreme Court and to their left are all of the members of the Executive Committee of the American Bar Association. You can realize, I'm sure, that this is a most impressive occasion. The Star-Spangled Banner has just been played, and the ceremonies are about to begin. The next voice you will hear will be that of the Honorable Guy A. Thompson, President of the American Bar Association. Near the Colosseum in Rome stands the historic Arch of Constantine, erected 1,600 years ago to commemorate the triumph of the first Christian emperor over Maxentius. On the Champs-Élysées, the martial victories of the French under the leadership of Napoleon are commemorated by the magnificent Arc de Triomphe. Out of the throbbing heart of London rises a majestic column. Its base guarded by lions of bronze, its head 
crowned by a colossal statue of the hero of Trafalgar. In city and town and hamlet of our own land, our memorial structures of stone or bronze that tell a story of battle. Many, perhaps most, of the world's great monuments have been erected following war's sad devastations. By some, it might be thought that these monuments are tributes to the cruel and savage impulses of man, and that they glorify grim-visaged war. But it is not so. War monuments commemorate and extol patriotism, courage, allegiance to a cause even unto death. In rearing them, mankind has done honor to itself, or they mutely testify to man's reverence for the noble and exalting things of life. Above the cornerstone we lay today will rise a memorial more sublime than monuments of war. A memorial of bloodless battles is our edifice, yet battles upon whose issues hung our liberties, the integrity of our federal union, its harmony and balance, and our social and economic destiny. It will be a monument that will inspire the members of our profession both those of today and those who are yet to come, or it will be the stately epoch of the virtue and the learning, the eloquence and the patriotic passion of heroic warriors in the field of thought, conquerors in conquests of the mind, whose memories and examples adorn and glorify the bar. It will be a monument expressing by its own stability the firm confidence and trust, the unwavering reverence and devotion in which the people hold the court whose home it is to be. Its towering pillars, its age-defying walls, against which the winds and storms of heaven will beat in vain shall be symbols of the majesty and power of that tribunal and of its proof against the tempests of passion and ill will. It will be a monument to justice, justice which every human being yearns for and which is the right of all. Justice, upon whose ministrations life, liberty, and the assurance of happiness depend, and in whose supremacy the security and welfare of our institutions rest. Justice, in whose service we are sworn. Justice, 
That is the final attribute of God himself. This will be her temple. Here her shrine will be. Here she shall abide. Year following year, century following century, ambitious youth shall look upon this stately building and rejoice that the paths of opportunity are here kept open equally to all. Upon it, weak and weary age shall gaze and be content, for it shall know that the Lord has built this house and that his justice reigns therein.